Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, it's day one of Canadian Western Agribition in Regina. We'll hear from CEO Sean Kindop, Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt, as well as the President of STARS, Andrea Robertson, all related to the Canadian Western Agribition opening this morning in Regina. The Outstanding Young Farmers of Canada were announced on Friday night in Saskatoon. We'll hear from the Saskatchewan winners, Cody Straza and Allison Squires, from Wood Mountain in south-central Saskatchewan. And if we have time, we'll also hear from Guillaume and Etienne Lessard, who were the other winners for the Outstanding Young Farmers. They're from Quebec, who also won on Friday night. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Canadian Western Agribition kicked off this morning in Regina with free admission and the burning of the brand ceremony. CEO Sean Kindop says today's snowfall will have very little impact on attendance. The Agribition supporters, if there's one people that I believe in that can that can uh, weather a bit of wind and some snow, it's uh, it's the Agribition supporters and it's those folks. That's, I'm confident that people are still going to show. And again, it's it's free admissions, so it's if there's one day that you're going to want to come, it's this one. You know, you get the burning of the brand. It's the official kickoff. Let's let's not let a little bit of snow. We're Saskatchewan, and uh, we've seen it before, so let's uh, we're we're looking forward to seeing everybody come out. There's a number of highlights today. Yeah, so it's already kicked off with the Canadian National and Youth 4-H Championships and the uh, Alpaca Fleece Judging. We've got uh, some chore team uh, competitions. We've got the burning of the brand. We've got uh, the horse pull auctions uh, to all happening today, so it's, it's jam-packed. Kindop is hoping for strong attendance numbers this week. We're looking at you back in that six-figure mark, uh, pre-pandemic levels. Again, we, we weren't far off uh, during the pandemic, so looking forward to, to getting back to a bit more of a normal and uh, welcoming those folks back. He's very happy with the number of livestock entries this year. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's you never know what's going to happen due to pre-pandemic levels, but uh, or after I guess you go through the pandemic. So to to see the support that we got after the pandemic again is is fantastic. We're very proud. Kindop is expecting a lot of international visitors again this year. Yeah, again, we're hoping everything's trending to that pre-pandemic, so we're hoping to get towards that 12, 1300. And uh, I'd love to beat the 86 countries from previous years. So it's, it's always the goal to get bigger and better. So it's, we're, we're hoping to do that. He explains why delegates from countries like Mongolia and Australia come to Agribition every year. Yeah, like Saskatchewan's a heartbeat of agriculture. This is where you're going to come and you're going to learn from the best in agriculture. And uh, Saskatchewan and Canada have fantastic genetics. And uh, there's lots that you can accomplish coming to the show, especially since this is where business gets done. Kindop says the rodeo kicks off later this week. Can't wait. Yeah, it's, uh, it kicks off on Wednesday with free admission courtesy Mosaic. And um, yeah, it ends with championship Saturday on, well, obviously on Saturday. So we've uh, there, there's a bunch of uh, exciting things coming through. We've got the Yellowstone guests that are going to be attending the rodeo and uh, first responders night and the energy appreciation, energy appreciation night. So there's there's so much and there's something for everybody. And it's if there's one event that uh, to kick it off before we head into Christmas, it's, uh, it's the rodeo. 
As for tomorrow's events... Yeah, we kick off... Uh, and tomorrow we get the Indigenous Agriculture Summits. we got uh, the Grain Expos. We've got some special guests coming to those as well. So, yeah, there's there's a ton happening throughout the... Kindop notes there are no health restrictions at this year's Agribition. Yeah, so it's to, to truly be able to be back, because again, we had some people uh, last year who you, know, you might have been protecting yourself and staying home or unable to travel just due to uh, the current state of the... Uh, of the countries that they were in so we're, we're getting excited to be back to a bit more normal where again if you walk through the barns being able to smile at people is it, it's really what agribition is about so to be able to uh, to not have masks and be able to smile at one another is that uh, we're excited and it's his first agribition as ceo I'm excited to learn. Like uh, so I've got a very talented team. I've got some people who have been here upwards of 25 years. So to be able to get some of that education from them and learn from the show so that I can uh, carry my own momentum into next year. Is- Sean Kindop is the CEO of Canadian Western Agribition. The burning of the brand officially kicked off Agribition this morning. Barns are starting to fill up at Agribition as exhibitors prepare for the official opening of the week-long show today. STARS President Andrea Robertson was chosen to be a key part of the official opening. It's so fun to be here. It's just such an amazing event. And then in addition to that, you think about the partnership we've had with them since 2014. This association's come together and has supported STARS for a long time now. And we're celebrating over $250,000 through the door. And so you know what that means to us, um, our ability to get out there for the next person who might need us. She says today is a celebration of how much money Agribition has raised for STARS. Oh, this is just a celebration of a cumulative gift, and we're hoping over the week to raise a whole bunch of money. And Robertson says STARS is very important to rural Saskatchewan. Well, you know, I think that it all comes down to um, we have amazing government support, but half of what we it costs us to run every year, and then we raise the other half. So think about rural, remote, alone, farm, highway, byway, and the difference between your ability to live or not live could come, come down to us getting there in time. So I think it has huge meaning to every one of us that live in Saskatchewan. Cost us about $20 million to operate the two bases, so about $10 million a base, and so we have to raise about $10 million every year. It's a lot of money. Agribition runs today through Saturday, and that, of course, is Agribition this week in Regina. Please stay tuned. It's time now for the AgReview portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, AgReview. Farmers in eastern Canada paid millions of dollars more for fertilizer beginning in early 2022. As a result of the federal tariff levied against fertilizer from Russia and Belarus, and now farmers want that money back. Finance Canada says the federal government collected approximately $34.1 million in tariff income on fertilizer imported into Canada from when the 35% tariff took effect in early March until June 30th of 2022. In response to an inquiry from the federal Conservatives, the Finance Department says the duties were collected on fertilizer imports worth $97.5 million, while $75.5 million in fertilizer imports did not have customs duties applied as these shipments were deemed to be in transit when the tariff took effect. 
While the United Nations and other global organizations have urged countries to not restrict fertilizer trade, Canada is the only G7 country that has maintained a tariff on Russian-sourced fertilizer after the country invaded Ukraine. Russia's ambassador to Turkey says that Moscow sends its representatives to more ship inspections in Istanbul per day than mandated under the Black Sea Grain Deal, rejecting a Ukrainian accusation that Russia is slowing down the process. Ukraine's grain exports have proceeded more slowly since a UN-brokered deal was extended to help ease global hunger. Vasil Bodner, Ukraine's ambassador to Turkey, attributed the slowdown to uncertainty last week over renewing the deal and also Russia's refusal to speed up inspections and increase the number of teams from three currently. The Joint Coordination Center in Istanbul says the delegations are discussing ways to increase the number of successful inspections. Since the agreement was extended beyond November 19th, no more than five ships a day have departed Ukraine, down from previous weeks and months, when up to 10 departed. CN and CP Rail supplied a combined 78% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 16, a decline from the previous week's 87%, reflecting a decline in performance for each of CN and CP. In supplying 87% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 16, CN's order fulfillment performance once again fell short of the 90% threshold, CN has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold in three of the last four weeks and seven times in the last 10 weeks. CP order fulfillment performance declined notably week over week, with the railway supplying 71% of cars ordered as compared to 82% the prior week. This marks the 11th consecutive week that CP has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold. CN and CP combined will enter week 17 with 2,093 outstanding cars, representing a net 70% increase from the 1,238 cars outstanding at the end of the previous week. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says two more commercial poultry farms in the Fraser Valley have tested positive for avian flu. That brings the number of farms infected to 12 in Abbotsford, Chilliwack and Kent since last Friday. The agency says there's no evidence to suggest that eating cooked poultry or eggs could transmit the virus to humans. Anyone who finds a sick or dead wild bird is encouraged to contact the Canadian Wildlife Health Cooperative. Women in the position of farm operators are beginning to once again make their mark in Canadian agriculture. Although that's good news, the results from Statistics Canada offer a mixed bag of emotions and data analysis. According to Statistics Canada, the number of women supervisors and workers in technical positions has increased by 19.4% between 2017 and 2021, working in the industries of agriculture, natural resources, and other related production sectors. According to the data analyzed for StatsCan, based on the 2021 Census of Agriculture, Canadian female farm operator numbers increased for the first time since 1991, when the Census of Agriculture started collecting data for up to three farm operators. In 2021, 79,795 women identified as a female farm operator, 
up by nearly 2,000 individuals from 2016 when there were 77,970 women. This 1,825-person increase, or 2.3%, is important when compared to male farm workers over the same period, who experienced a 5.8% decrease. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. We have light snow and minus 4 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt was part of the official ceremonies for the opening of Agribition today in Regina. Merritt says the annual livestock show plays an important part of the Saskatchewan economy. Very excited to see it back in full force again. And uh, actually, we're just watching a bunch of kids walk through too as well. And that's really what the show is about, is showcasing what the livestock industry has done, not only in the province of Saskatchewan, but Western Canada. Obviously, we feel the Canadian Western Exhibition is the greatest show, not in just in Canada, but in North America. And uh, it gives us a great opportunity to showcase worldwide what we're doing here in Western Canada, the livestock industry. When you see, you know, countries from around the world I mean record numbers uh, you know we've had as many as 80 different countries here over 1200 delegates from uh, around the world they're coming here for the main reason is to really look at what we're doing in the livestock industry but really the story to tell is let the livestock producers tell their story on what they're doing and showcasing the sustainability and in livestock industry here in the province of Saskatchewan I'm very excited to uh, be here very honored to be the Minister of Agriculture representing the the ag industry here in the province of Saskatchewan but representing the livestock sector and all those that participants. One thing I really do love to see here is the intergenerational within the showcasing of the livestock industry where I see grand- grandfathers and grandmothers with their grandsons and granddaughters you know looking working the pans and showing the cattle and seeing the 4-H doing what they're doing. I'm excited to go to the 4-H thing tonight. Uh, really excited to be here for the entire week and I will be here as much as I possibly can be here. Merritt says he has a few meetings planned during Agribition. Well, we've got a few set up. Uh, you know, obviously we'll meet with the livestock sector and uh, discuss some of the issues and challenges that they're having as well and, uh, and and showcase some things like that. But I'm really looking forward to just participating in a lot of the events and uh, and meeting people and having the discussions on whatever topics they want to talk about. He believes that international visitors will continue to come to Agribition for Canadian beef genetics. I think they will. I think you're going to even see it start to grow. Uh, And it's really because the producers in this province have a great story to tell. I, as an ambassador for them, I'm allowed to tell that story internationally. And I do tell it. And I think it's a great story to tell. And I always tell them, you got to come and see what's going on at Canadian Western Agribition. So they're coming. And that's that's good to see. We always have a good delegation from, obviously, the United States, Mexico, uh, and plus other countries, uh, you know, even uh, Mongolia and things like that are really coming and looking at what our genetics are doing and uh, they're here for that reason. They love what we're doing, they love the way we're doing it and they want to learn more. And Merritt has these final thoughts. Well, I think the whole show is phenomenal, right? Obviously, I mean, and then they have the rodeo and everything that ties into it. But really, what I really like to see about it is what's happening in the background. You know, when you look, go into the barns and you see what's happening, you see the genetics, but also what you really do see is the pride. 
that these people have in their livestock and what they're doing. And you know, they built this genetics up over generations. And uh, and it's, it's really humbling for me and an honor for me to represent that, to, to see what they're doing and the way they're doing it. It's, it's, it's incredible, the genetics that's what's happened here over the decades here in the province of Saskatchewan and Western Canada, but I'm gonna speak for the ranchers and farmers in this province. That's David Merritt. He is the Minister of Agriculture for Saskatchewan speaking at Agribition this morning in Regina. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of the Yorkton Crossing Retirement Village. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for December are trading at 152.57 this hour. That's down 50. February live cattle trading at 154.45, down 67. January feeder cattle trading at 176.92, down 137. March feeder cattle trading at 180.57, down 97. December lean hogs trading at 81.62, down 215. February lean hogs trading at 84.87, down 362. And that's the livestock market conditions. Cody Straza and Allison Squires from Wood Mountain in South Central Saskatchewan are one of two awards winners in the 2022 Canada's Outstanding Young Farmers program presented in Saskatoon this weekend. Straza and Squires started an organic farm in 2010 and since then have built a seed cleaning plant and practice regenerative agriculture to minimize soil disturbance. Squires says they're thrilled to be one of the winners. It's, it's a really exciting time to be able to tap into all these different resources across the country. Straza says they really enjoyed the experience. I think we've got uh, a whole bunch more lifelong friends. Everybody's so friendly, open, collaborative. It was a, just a great experience. We can't wait to get together next time. Straza grew up on the farm, while Squires was a city girl. Yeah, I grew up in the, the Wood Mountain area. And, uh, went off to university, got an engineering degree, worked in the industry for a number of years. Opportunity came up to buy a farm near my parents' farm. We bought that farm, moved there, farmed for well, a few years, uh, kind of in cooperation with my parents and their farm. We built a grain cleaning plant with them. We started doing uh, regenerative agriculture practices in uh, about 2016 or so. And then in 2019, uh, we expanded into beef cattle. He explains why they got into beef cattle while many people are exiting the business. With the regenerative practices, we wanted to reduce our tillage. And being an organic farm, we can't uh, just go by synthetic fertility. We use cover crops as our uh, soil building year. But instead of using tillage to terminate that and turn it into the soil, we're using cows to graze those cover crops and uh, terminate them and cycle those nutrients all at once. Squires then went into her education before she met Straza. I did my bachelor's at the University of Guelph in toxicology and I wanted to move schools to do any graduate work and actually Saskatoon like here at the University of Saskatchewan has one of the highest rated graduate programs in toxicology in, in the country. Not many people know that. So I moved out to 
Saskatoon to do my, first my master's and then my PhD, and my research focused on the oil sands. How I met Cody was that through mutual friends that introduced us and kind of set us up, actually. And I guess they knew us better than we knew ourselves because we hit it off pretty much right away and been together ever since. She explains how her toxicology background comes in handy on the farm. I have a really strong background in biology and chemistry due to those studies and so we can apply that knowledge to our farming operations. So I do a lot of our own soil analysis right on the farm. I also manage all of our data collection and you know I also started an on-farm research program as part of our like extension programming on the farm as well. So I've been able to use that education level in all those different areas. She says the number of organic farmers in Canada is on the rise. Yes, we actually, in Canada, we are growing as, a, as an organic sector. The organic sector in Canada is worth about $9 billion annually, contributing, and uh, we've actually grown in number of producers over the last several years. In Saskatchewan, actually, has the largest number of organic acres in the country, and Quebec has the largest number of organic producers. So, yeah, definitely the organic sector is growing, and Saskatchewan is definitely at the forefront of that. They tell us what crops they grow. We grow a whole bunch of different stuff. Most of our cropping choices are heritage varieties. They work really well in an organic system in terms of cereals. But we also do pulses. We do lentils and peas, camelina, flax for oil seeds. We've done uh, sunflower, yellow mustard, chickpeas. Every year we do something a little bit different. Uh, we don't grow all of these crops every year, but it, they're all part of uh, a larger rotation. Squires tells us about their community involvement. We're very lucky. We have three wonderful little boys. Their ages are eight, seven, and five, so they're super young still, but right from birth they've been part of our farm and they've been toted around in tractors and combines ever since. So they're very uh, very much an integral part of our farm. We use them as an inspiration to be involved in our communities. In the past, I've given time to some local community organizations such as the library and our regional park board. Cody's a volunteer firefighter. A lot of our work, though, centers on areas of provincial and national organizations. So Cody is a, mem uh, is a board member of SAS Soil, which is the Provincial Soil Conservation Association. I'm the president of the national organization which of Canadian organic growers, representing all organic growers across Canada. We also do a few other things at the national level as well. Straza talks about farming in his hometown of Wood Mountain. It's a very uh, small town, but a very strong and vibrant people and, and uh, community there. It's got a very strong history. It's where the Northwest Mountain Police Post was. It was an extension of Fort Walsh. Where There's a provincial museum there now, regional park with the oldest continuous rodeo in Canada. And we're just uh, about 15, 20 minutes away from Grasslands National Park. It's a great place to be. They're now planning for the future of their farm. We see several different opportunities for ourselves in the future. We definitely want to be expanding our grain cleaning facility. We want to be introducing a bagging line because a lot of our future marketing opportunities we see as being uh, domestic market opportunities. So smaller scale to more local and uh, provincial bakeries. Uh, we've been approached by several of those and they're interested in buying some of our grains. So we want to facilitate that as well. And then I think uh, on uh, the cropping side, we're going to expand our research program. We're going to be looking at expanding our composting program and maybe providing a commercial aspect to that as well. And I'll let Cody talk about the cows because they're his favorite. <laughs> We're looking at uh, diversifying the marketing on the cows as well, stretching out, uh, doing more of the backgrounding of calves, maybe grassing some yearlings, and just getting more animals into different markets. 
That's Cody Straza and Allison Squires from Wood Mountain, Saskatchewan. The other Outstanding Young Farmers Award went to two brothers from Quebec. Guillaume and Etienne Lessard have a dairy farm, and they also raise organic pigs and make maple syrup. First, Guillaume talks about their dairy cow operation. We have uh, 200 cows milking with the heifers and uh, dry cows. We are around uh, 500 uh, head. In Quebec, the average farm is around 80, uh, 80 cows. It's uh, the lowest average uh, in Canada. And we produce almost 300 kilos of quota. Then he tells us about his maple syrup operation. Yeah, we have 32,000 uh, taps. We tap the trees during January and the season starts maybe uh, middle of March till the end of April. So we uh, took the sap from the trees and we boil it and it uh, gave us the wonderful maple syrup. Lassard explains how they tap the trees for maple syrup. There's a lot of technology. We have uh, hoses goes to the trees and is pumped by a vacuum. So uh, even when it came to the sugar camp, we have a house mouse that uh, cut the water. So we boil less. We put uh, out some water without sugar in it. So we, uh, we concentrate the water so the, the sugar is higher. So we have to boil it less. And as for how they sell the maple syrup, in Quebec, we have a federation who took care of the market. We do uh, sell direct at the, the big broker, but the price is uh, decided by uh, the broker with the federation. So, uh, like this year, they are negotiate for the new price for maybe the next three years. He says maple syrup prices have been good. But his expenses are up too. The last convention for the price, uh, it turns around three bucks to four pounds. And it's still good. But in the last two years, the, a lot of things that just rise up. We have more inputs to pay, so uh, the margin is not that good as it should be. But that's why this year they have to renegotiate the price for the next three years. Guillaume works with his brother, and he explains how they split the workload. I'll do uh, more the paper thing and uh, all the, the, the field thing. And my brother is uh, the one who took care of the herds, the, the milking herds and the hog herds. And for the, the work in the field and the sugar camp, we do, we do it both. He says this wasn't his first trip to Western Canada. No, uh, when I was at school in Manitoba, I work, I have to do in the summertime, I have to go on another farm at Sandy Lake in Manitoba. That was maybe an hour from Brendan. So uh, I went there first time for learning English and it was uh, a crops farm. We grow uh, alfalfa, canola and wheat. I was really impressed at the time when we go more west, how big the machinery is and how flat the land and, and all the land that we see, we're not used to it. In areas. He says producers right across Canada may farm differently, but they have much in common. We are far and we have uh, really different uh, production. There's maybe two things that we all love. We love the lands and we want to, to give something at the next generation. We don't do that uh, only for the profit. We, we have the passion. Guillaume and Etienne Lassard have a dairy farm with 200 milking cows as well as raise organic pigs and make maple syrup. They were the co-winners of the Canadian Outstanding Young Farmer Award, which was handed out on Friday night in Saskatoon.
It's time now for the Commodities Update, and that's a presentation of Hackman Feeds. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this hour. January canola trading at 815.90. That's up $3 per metric ton. March canola trading at $815 even, up $9.40. December Minneapolis wheat trading at 952 per bushel, down five and a quarter cents. December Kansas City wheat trading at 904 per bushel, down 18 cents. December Chicago wheat trading at 755 per bushel, down 20 and a half cents. December corn trading at 667 and a half, down a half a cent. January soybeans are trading at 1453 and a quarter, up 17 cents. December oats trading at 387 and a half, down two and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. A new cull sow slaughtering facility under development in Saskatchewan is expected to reduce shipping distances and costs for Western Canadian pork producers while reducing the risk of the cross-border movement of swine disease. Donald's Fine Foods, which operates three food processing plants in British Columbia and one in Moose Jaw, is in the final stages of converting the former XL beef plant in Moose Jaw into a cull sow slaughter plant. Donald's industry relations manager, Neil Kettleson, tells us about the company. Donald's Fine Food is an organization that was founded by a fellow by the name of Donald Lund. And uh, him and his family still own it. It's privately held. Uh, he has built the business since he actually worked in a plant. And uh, it now has uh, four plants across western Canada, uh, three in British Columbia, one in uh, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan already, Thunder Creek Pork. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a fairly significant uh, business here. They, they're the only federally inspected pl- uh, slaughter plant in Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, and, and they are in, in British Columbia as well. So they're very significant to those two provinces. He says they're happy to have a presence in Moose Jaw. Well, Donald uh, acquired uh, Thunder Creek Pork in around 2010. Uh, since then, they have run continuously. They've upgraded the plant continuously. Uh, they would market, uh, they would process about 300,000 market hogs uh, and employ well over 200 people in the city of Moose Jaw. So, you know, for Saskatchewan, it, it uh, is very useful and contributes significantly to the province. Kettleson explains what prompted the decision to develop a sow processing facility in Saskatchewan. Well, Donald uh, was in Moose Jaw already, and there was a shuttered uh, plant, XL beef plant, that was there. And, of course, uh, you know, he was aware of that and made inquiries as to, you know, whether or not it was uh, for sale. Uh, he eventually bought it and the property around it. And and so, you know, he... he uh, uh, strategized about his growth plans within the company and and what might be a natural fit for Western Canada. And, and quite frankly, Bruce, uh, we export about 200,000 sows into the United States right now, which has a whole bunch of issues around them on, on disease, transportation costs, environmental costs, all those kinds of things. And so, you know, it, it was a, a, a market niche 
that nobody else was looking after or processing those. And so Donald thought to himself that this would be good for the industry. Uh, he, he, he needs to make it into a viable business. But uh, quite frankly, it, it's good for all of us in Western Canada. He says there's a lot of support for the development of the facility. Well, we certainly get a lot of uh, good support from the Park Associations, uh, from Meat Council, National, you know, CPI, Canadian Pork Council, those kinds of people. Uh, provincially, you know, is very good support. Uh, you know, there is federally as well. I mean, everybody is, is quite familiar with the benefits to the industry. Uh, you know, and, and so uh, from an industry point of view or a public point of view, and producers, quite, quite frankly, producers don't have to spend a bunch of money on freight costs or, or get more value for their product. Uh, you know, it's just much, much easier to ship at a shorter distance. Kettleson tells us where they will be sourcing their sows from. There's about 50,000 sows available in, in Alberta that are calls right now that need to go somewhere. Uh, they have very little provincial slaughter capacity. Saskatchewan is very similar. Manitoba is about 140,000, but they would process about 50. So there's roughly 180,000 sows in Western Canada right now that go into the United States for processing. Uh, you know, it would it would our expectation were that those sows would uh, come to this plant as long as everything is is right for them in terms of pricing and 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 convenience and all those kinds of things. But our expectation is that it will. He says having a sow processing facility in Saskatchewan will ease biosecurity concerns. Well, we, the plant is in Moose Show, of course. Uh, and and uh, from a biosecurity point of view, though, uh, you know, the border has always been a major issue for us, uh, both in terms of, you know, countervail kinds of things that, uh, you know, might happen in the United States that would close the border, or disease, because disease, you know, we don't have this, the same uh, swine health protocol in the United States and Canada. It's not the same. So any truck that goes down in the States potentially brings diseases back up here. So if you can avoid that, you really provide a, a disease insurance, if you will, that, that might help mitigate disease coming back into Canada that wouldn't otherwise do so. Kettleson says there's food security implications as well. Well, we've heard, learned a lot about that from COVID. I mean, you know, the the larger plant, uh, you know, had COVID in their some of their staff. Uh, it resulted in slowing the lines down, even the spacing and all those kinds of things slowed slowed it down. So, you know, anytime you can increase the slaughter capacity, you just increase the ability of the industry to process the animals that are available. And he outlines their procurement plans. Well, we, we're anticipating that uh, we're, we're going to have a weekly price to the plant. We anticipate that producers are going to deliver by whatever means they have available to them. So a lot of those people might come direct. Uh, we'll be able to accommodate uh, semi-loads and or smaller loads of cattle, you know, uh, trailers, things like that. Uh, so anybody that wants to come direct uh, can do so. Uh, we also anticipate that a lot of the present brokers that have assembly yards, things like that that are that are out there, uh, we want to talk to them and, and get their business as well. And so it'll be an avenue for them to do. 
And I think there will also be a number of people that are very creative and, and you know, work with their neighbors, work with other colonies, uh, put loads together, share some things, or some young entrepreneur that wants to build a business of collecting these animals and bringing them to Moose Jaw. I think all those things would be available. Uh, you know, if, if we still get producers that... Uh, and that are, have animals that they want to deliver and don't find the means to do it, uh, we'll have to work with them to see if we can't find a way to do it. Neil Kettleson is the industry relations manager for Donald's Fine Foods. It's now 1 o'clock on GX on Agriculture. Your agriculture weather is next. The GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions. A snowfall warning is in effect for some regions. Today, light snow with 2 to 4 centimeters possible. Winds west-northwest at 20 to 40 and gusting higher at times. The temperature falling to minus 7. For tonight, a 90% chance of light snow with 3 to 5 centimeters possible. Winds northwest at 20 to 35 and a low of minus 9. For tomorrow, cloudy with a 60% chance of flurries. Winds northwest at 20 to 40. The temperature falling to minus 14. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud. Winds west-northwest at 10 to 20. And a high of minus 15. For Thursday, a 60% chance of flurries. A high of minus 9. And Friday, partly sunny at times. A high of minus 16. In the Paw, it's minus 5 degrees, Swan River minus 2, Dauphin minus 1, Brandon and Roblin minus 3, Show Lake Russell minus 4. Regina, Saskatoon and Broadview Mooseman minus 7, Hudson Bay minus 5, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington minus 8. The Yorkton-Melville region has snow, a northwest wind at 33 gusting to 42 kilometers an hour. 93% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 4 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 12 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.